listening to the Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. I'm Lacey Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. Happy Easter, Lacey. Happy Easter still, Jen. Can you believe we're still in this season? It feels like it's lasting forever. I kind of I kind of like that, though, especially, I mean, I guess in this instance, I'm grateful to not live in the Southern Hemisphere because here in the Northern Hemisphere, we've got spring exploding everywhere, and it feels very Easter-y. Yeah, I was in, in Denver this last week, and it kind of felt like time traveling. All of the buds and blooms burst mm, a little here. delayed yeah it yeah burst here a few weeks ago months ago uh-huh. even and everything was really just at its peak in denver and so that was really fun red bud trees are especially my most oh, most favorite yes. and so we haven't seen any red buds in a while now mm-hmm. <laughs> i was just in texas when you were not are you getting ready to leave and my favorite was the jasmine mm-hmm. there at least in houston yep that's beautiful that just burst just this week in fact it all of our confederate jasmine um opened up while i was gone so that feels like a texas thing to <laughs> like call it confederate jazz yes very <laughs> southern that might be the sure. official name but like <laughs> star jasmine a world of its own mm-hmm. uh-huh. star jasmine confederate jasmine <laughs> There was a lot of it in Georgia where I grew up, so definitely I associate it with the Deep (laughs) South. Well, I have gotten several texts, emails, and messages on varying platforms um, asking if there are any spots left for the retreat. The good news is yes, there are still spots left. Um, You can go to sacredordinarydays.com slash pages slash retreat to join us, and there you'll get... Um, you'll be able to watch the video that Lacey and I shot answering questions and telling you what went into our planning of the Sacred Ordinary Days retreat. You'll also be able to get details and buy your ticket to join us May 27th and 28th. So far, we have folks coming from lots of different parts of the country and different ages, both men and women. A really, really neat group is coming together um, and it's, it's a fairly intimate group as well. So I think the opportunity for really rich relationship and conversation is definitely there. And I hope that you'll consider joining us. And can we pause for a moment to celebrate your website? <gasps> oh my gosh. That has happened since our last <laughs> conversation. The website that disappeared and then felt like it would never get finished. Yes. Yeah. That's a great thing to celebrate. Um, mm-hmm. we a good ha- Easter moment. Um, New life. Absolutely. <laughs> New digital life where there had been just a landing page. Um, yeah. <laughs> In I'm, the tomb for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> for quite a while. Yeah, I'm really proud of our new website. I, I mean, you know this because you design websites. It just seems like one of those projects that no matter how much time you give it, it just like a little cookie monster. It just eats whatever you give it. Uh, especially if you're a tweaker. Yes, especially if you're a tweaker and, and tinker and all that stuff. Tinkerer. Maybe we should say that, especially mm-hmm. if you're a tinkerer. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. You're like, this is good, but it could be better. It mm-hmm. just 
it just goes months and months keep getting eaten up that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But we actually did it. We did it. We launched it. And um, we actually went to Q, Q Ideas Conference last week in Denver. Haley and I did, which was really neat. And we had lots of really rich conversations and met some really neat folks. Um, One guy walked up to me and was like, hey, you're Jen, right? Sacred Ordinary Days. Of course, I didn't know this guy at all. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's like, your planner is so amazing. I bought it for my entire church staff. And, you know, at that point, it would be a good moment to, like, say thank you and maybe even give him a hug. Nope. I just start crying. Um, I was so... (laughs) I think that's a good thing. (laughs) Surprised and amazed and excited. And um, then for him to share a little bit more about, you know, why he'd ordered it for his whole staff and Mm -hmm. how they were experiencing and loving it. So that was really neat. Um, and then we actually met three other folks from our tribe through the duration of the conference. Hillary Dawson, uh, was there and introduced us to her friends, Suzanne and Tina. And then Annie F. Downs, who is an author who many of you will know, just released her latest book, Looking for Lovely, um, I know has been using and loving our planners. She and I have been talking back and forth briefly but had never met in person so it was really neat to be able to hug her and talk to her and Mm. thank her for all of her encouragement and support these last months Mm -hmm. and um and then hannah who lives in kind of the, the georgia alabama border with her husband um it it was just neat to talk to her too. She walked up to us at one of the breaks and was like, "Sacred ordinary days, right?" Um, <laughs> pretty cool. So we're yeah. actually um, putting together a group. We're gonna buy two tables of eight um, and hope to fill them up with the Sacred Ordinary Days team and tribe. If you're interested in that, you can um, get more info on our Facebook in our Facebook group. I'm doing it. I'm going. Yeah, Lacey's coming. One of our other soul friends who we've mentioned before, Whitney Simpson, is coming. In fact, um, out of 16 tickets, at the moment we only have five left that aren't already spoken for. Um, So we'll we'll see if they go by the time we release this on Wednesday. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And then right around the corner, we're actually starting the pre-sale of the academic year edition of the Sacred Ordinary Days Planner um, on Tuesday. I'm sorry, on Monday, May 2nd. So that will be happening just after the release of this podcast. And I have never been more nervous and more excited <laughs> about anything ever. It feels mm. like... Um, our, it's real now. It's real now. Yeah, the launch of our mm-hmm. Kickstarter last fall was at the time the biggest riskiest thing that I had ever done and this is like a whole new level because we know that people are finding it useful and are telling their friends um what we don't know is how many people are interested in the academic planner um when does that start Jen? the when will that planner begin which month that will start um so the idea is that it runs on the academic year Mm -hmm. and for many folks that is uh, that starts in August. So the planner will start August 2016 mm-hmm. and go through Jul- the end of July 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So even if people are just itching 
for the planner. Yeah, if you're that would be the next the next version. It will to get started. It will. Yeah, that'll be the next next one available. And like I said, the presale starts Monday, May second, and we have placed our order with the printer, and we've ordered four thousand, which is okay. double what we ordered in the fall, and it yeah. was hugely expensive. Um, so yeah, we hope that if you're interested that you'll buy it during our presale period in May. And there are lots of perks and benefits, including a lower price point for you. Excellent. Tell us about where you are and what you've been doing, Lacey. Yeah. Well, I think I can't help but talk about gardens and flowers. I think that's where if I if I haven't been there these past few weeks, that's where my mind has been my soul has been drawing me and even as I said I was in Texas for maybe four or five days or so um just about a week ago and just to come back after we had had some sunny days here in Seattle and to walk into my backyard and see how much more lush things were just after after a few days was amazing and so I'm finding any moment I can to be out there and to tinker (laughs) move things around and I'm just yeah watching things bloom waiting for them to blossom can't yeah can't wait to spend more time there as the days get warmer and lighter and the Easter season moves on I think having that in the back of my mind too just really allows me to recognize how much of a spiritual practice gardening can be for me how much life it brings me and of course, we're prepping for the retreat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited, especially about bringing in um, my kind of pilgrimage language, my pilgrimage world, and uh, providing some resources for those who are coming with us to uh, prepare for our time together, really dig in while we're there, and continue the journey in that pilgrimage language after after we leave. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Should I spill some of the beans on some smaller things that we're going to be offering in the retreat details well we are going to be um providing you the resources and tools to create your own vade mikwum did i say that right Lacey? good enough i don't speak latin so (laughs) (laughs) well neither do i Uh um and tell us a little bit about what that is a vade mikwum is something that people Long ago, pilgrims would take with them. It literally means come go with me. It means go with me. And so they would bring this. It was kind of, you could say, the first travel guide, perhaps, or travel journal. Something with them that had, you know, maybe practical tips as well as um, prayers, inspiration that they would take with them on their journey to accompany them along the path. And so that is something that we are excited to provide for you and create together during during our time of the retreat and with the theme around ordinary time we'll be especially focusing on infusing your ordinary days with the sacred and how you can make that into an intentional journey yeah I'm really excited the work that Lacey and I have been doing behind the scenes has me really looking forward to the transition to ordinary time Um, You know, we've talked about that it's one of our favorite seasons of the year anyway, but the idea of bringing it in together with one another, um, kind of bookending this first season of the podcast and this long-term partnership and collaboration between Lacey and I 
and um, with you has me really, really excited Mm -hmm. about all that ordinary time and the summer and fall will bring. So Jen, can you give us a refresh on the Easter season since today we're continuing the season of Eastertide and talking about Sabbath? Mm-hmm, absolutely. The season of Eastertide goes through May 15th this year. Eastertide actually means one great Sunday, which is one of the many reasons we'll be talking about the practice of Sabbath today. We've had a couple of other episodes on Easter and Eastertide already, which you can listen to. I think those are not episode 9 and episode 10. Um, Easter is the pinnacle of the liturgical year. Advent gets a lot of press because it's at the very beginning, and of course everyone (laughs) celebrates Christmas. And then Lent is probably the second most widely known, but Easter really is what everything else is moving towards as Christ moves from death and the grave and ascends into heaven and then gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those all happen in the season of Easter. It ends in the day of Pentecost, as I said, as the church is given the gift of the Holy Spirit and is born. The church is actually Mm. born. Um, And we're going to spend a whole episode on Pentecost which I'm excited about too. Yes, that will be next. Um, The holy days between now and Pentecost, so still during the season of Eastertide, are the Annunciation of the Lord, a feast day commemorating the visit of the angel Gabriel to the Virgin Mary. And that's when Mary gets the news that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. So it's interesting to have that now in the season of Easter after Mm, Jesus' mm -hmm. death. Um, which I think is one of the many beautiful things about celebrating this cycle together, that you have um, this play and dance um, all throughout the year. And then May 5th is the Ascension of the Lord, a feast day commemorating Jesus going into heaven. Um, It's always celebrated on a Thursday, the 40th day after Easter. So Lacey, what's meaningful to you about Easter and specifically Sabbath? Why do you, why are we talking about it and thinking about Sabbath now in the season of Easter? Well, I know we've spent a lot of time already on the podcast talking about our personal spiritual practices and most often it's been in association with a season or a morning routine, a morning ritual. And so I haven't talked much about Sabbath, but that has been a, I'll say consistent practice while also saying a struggle uh, over these past many years since I really learned more about how to make that into a spiritual practice rather than just, you know, going to church on Sunday, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so it has become a relief to to me, a release. Mm. I feel like outside of the confines of Sabbath, productivity reigns my mind for sure, and distractions beckon. There's always, of course, one more thing I could get done. And I'll say that also whenever I practice Sabbath, still productivity tries to reign and then distractions attempt to beckon. And there still always is one more thing I could get done. But with the intention of Sabbath on those days and those times, the practice is 
to intentionally pause for a while and say all is good and to celebrate that goodness in the way our hearts know best. I think someone who's been really influential in my Sabbath practice, and that's because he was a teacher at the school, the graduate school I went to, the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. And so the Sabbath class I took there was based on his work. And his book is, it's just called Sabbath. It's a part of that ancient practices series that Thomas Nelson did. Do you have some of those books? Phyllis Tickle Hmm. edited them. And so there's, I think there might be, they focus on the seven ancient spiritual practices. And so pilgrimage is one of them, fasting, tithing, Eucharist and Sabbath and a few others as well. It's really great for those of you who might be new to exploring those ancient practices. But he emphasizes that God didn't need rest on the seventh day. God doesn't necessarily need rest. However, God spent the time delighting in the newly created world. And so he emphasizes the Sabbath not simply as a day of rest, but a day of delight. And there's someone else who has written a book called, I think, what is it called? Kim Thomas is her name. She was... um, a pastor at a church that I attended in in Nashville. I think it's called Even God Rested, which I love hmm. that reminder. And but she uses the term ceasing sa- Sabbath as ceasing and feasting, and so that's something else that I carry with me too. This delight, as well as this reminder to cease and feast, um, ceasing from our everyday tasks and productivity, which is a top thing for me, a challenge, and also ceasing from our sorrow, our worrying, whatever doesn't feel like the kingdom to us. And then instead feasting on love, on life, and on the goodness of the divine, which, of course, makes it the perfect practice for Easter, feasting on on new life. I love that pairing of ceasing and feasting. I think it's a good reminder, too, that at some level, mm. they do need to go together. Um, there's, not, yeah. there's not space for feasting at all, ever, without mm-hmm. first ceasing something else. So, yeah. And, it, it, yeah, it's not prepare for everything, make sure everything is in place, and then feast, too. Right. It's, as you're saying, you, you've got to cease. Mm-hmm. You've got to stop mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, I feel like it's a conscious creation of a time and a space that is sacred, which reminds me of that word holy, meaning to set apart. And so whether it's a day or an hour or, or a season, a sabbatical, which it finds its root in the word Sabbath. It's this time set apart to say all is well and to immerse yourself in kingdom come. And then one more thing, too, I want to emphasize is that, and this is Walter Brueggemann, he has this book called Sabbath as Resistance, and I haven't read it yet, but just the title alone has impacted me because it reminds me that Sabbath is an invitation to resistance uh, just because... Mm -hmm. You know, we might dream of rest or a day of delight, but it's going to be hard. It's resistance to that productivity-driven self or what the world wants us to to be, to immerse ourselves in. It's a resistance to anxiety, to multitasking, to division. If we're talking about living in the abundance of kingdom come, that's all about community and union and togetherness and love. And so I feel like that that's one of the challenging pieces as well and so important. What about you, Jen? Yeah, I felt like Lent this year really gave me a taste of 
the ceasing, that fasting, um, and has made the sweetness of the feasting Mm. um, especially sweet this year. Yeah, I like that. So it takes that language of ceasing and feasting and paints it over the liturgical calendar, the seasons. Yes, yes, Mm. yes. The thing that I have noticed, um, the more I work with this feasting language and the invitation of the different liturgical feast days, is that feasting doesn't mean gorging. Mm. It doesn't mean Mm. um, eating, you know, if we're going to talk about it in food language, it doesn't mean eating as much as you can or as fast as you can. Um, or maybe binge watching your favorite show. Right, right, right. When you have the break, yeah. It means delighting and enjoying, but it doesn't, mm. it doesn't, there's no sense of urgency no. or scarcity. The word savor comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That we are feasting in a moment, an invitation, and a gift of abundance, not mm. not invited to feast until the food runs out or until the grace runs out or, um, you know, for a short period of time that I think what Easter does is it primes us that there is always more than enough, uh, Hmm. of, of God's graces to encourage us to live with open hands and so mm. that has really shifted my perspective of feasting. We have had our twin 11-year-old nephews with us for much of this month in between our travels. And eating with eating each of our meals with them has, has brought up a lot of this imagery for me. They eat as if they had never eaten before, which is just <laughs> part of being a healthy 11-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it has been a good reminder and invitation for me to to notice how how and what feasting really does and does not look like for me um, and what that invitation is. What I love is that similar to what you were saying, that practicing Sabbath is the simplest and most practical way to say enough. Mm. I am enough. God is enough. The work that I have done is enough. The... The space I have is enough. Um, it's really a posture of active trust. Um, as an undergrad, I took several Christian ethics classes where Sabbath was a big part of our conversation and even took an intro to ministry class where uh, we kind of had three main areas that we had to focus on. And One of mine was developing a practice of Sabbath. So Mm. I know in the same way that your roots for this practice started in classes, um, that that has been true for me. We certainly practiced Sabbath in our family growing up. My parents had strict policies that there was no shopping, um, Mm. even at the grocery store, because they didn't want to cause somebody else to work. And now that my brother is a manager at Starbucks, I realize how true that is. He says that um, people will always come in on major holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas and apologize that they have to be there. Mm. (laughs) Um, And just this last year, he said that for a few of his 
longtime customers with whom he has a really close relationship, he has simply said, well, we're, we're here because we're open. It's, it's profitable for the business for us to be open. And so we're required to be open. If you didn't come, it wouldn't be profitable and we wouldn't be open. Um, and that has really given me a lot to think about how I engage with Sabbath because so often I think, well, there, this, this store is going to be open anyway. What difference does it make if I come or, Mm. um, you know, this, this event is going to happen whether I come or not. And so that anyway has given me some pause. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love too, that it recognizes how closely the inner and outer worlds, how closely they're tied to one another, um, and our calling to attend to each that mm-hmm. that is the essence of of sabbath to me that that the inner and the outer work you can't do both well all of mm-hmm. the time yeah well i know a lot of people in the contemplative world talk about the balance of action and contemplation mm-hmm. that you need to have both to flourish and for the kingdom to flourish yeah Certainly. Um, just this last week when we were at Q in Denver, I got to hear um, a woman speak from International Justice Mission and um, met another another gentleman that works with them. And between the two of them, got to hear about their um, AJ, IJM's daily practice of Sabbath throughout all of their offices around the world that mm. um, I believe at eight from 830 to 9 every morning, wherever people are. Um, they have a half hour of silence and prayer. I think they call it the 830 stillness, if I remember right. I felt Mm. so challenged by that, that this really large organization who is doing this incredible work and, and, and working with people and some of their greatest and most dire needs all over the world, um, people for whom urgency matters, their needs are very real and very pressing a couple of hours could be the difference between their life being saved and not. And yet mm-hmm. this organization is so committed to their, to their work and to their people and to their good that they practice Sabbath every day together, um, corporately. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and if it's, I mean, if they have offices around the world as well and everyone's doing it at that time for them, it's kind of this wave of our practice as well too, which is neat. Yes, I thought that too. So it's an area that we're exploring in our business right now, um, how to build Sabbath Mm. in daily and seasonally. And as we're building our time off policies and plans for our company-wide retreats, of course, company-wide at the moment means three people, (laughs) Grant, Haley, (laughs) and I, but we'll include more people over time. And I think, you know, even the three of us, it matters. And we want to, we want to value that from the beginning. So those are things I'm thinking about. I'd love to know more too about your uh, emphasis on Sabbath in the planner because I know on Sundays the page looks different, and you also mm. spend a lot of time searching for quotes of inspiration as well. So I know it's a, an important thing for you and your business. Yeah, you know, Sabbath has been one of the hardest practices for me to adopt and. For Grant and I to adopt, and as we envision bringing children into our lives in the next couple of years, I I remember growing up and at some level resenting Sabbath, 
um, because it meant that I couldn't go off and play with my friends or that we weren't doing different things that we liked doing. So I don't think we watched TV on Sundays. Um, and so we've been trying to figure out, okay, when, when we do have kids or now as our nephews are with us, how can we invite them into this practice in a way that feels really life-giving and delightful rather than restrictive? And even for me, that matters. Um, and so even as we built the planner, we knew that for people's work to be really effective, really joyful, and really sustainable, that we had to build in seasons of rest the same way, mm. um, you know, <laughs> the same way that, that God did in creation mm-hmm. and that we are invited to do. And so not only do we have moments of rest and reward built into each daily layout, but we also have each Sunday out, like you said, the pages look different. The rest of the days of the week, the pages have three main projects and journal or to-do list space and then place to line out different times that things are happening. On Sunday, it is all open space, open lines for journaling Mm. and reflection. Um, And at the top, there is a quote about Sabbath, some invitation another door to open perhaps to, to Mm -hmm. walk into the practice of keeping Sabbath. And that has been, uh, those quotes especially have been some of my favorite things that we have gathered and are sharing. And my designer Haley, who is such a talented artist in so many mediums, uh, hand letters our weekly Sabbath quote every single week. And then we give it away you, you know, we're not making copies of them and you can't buy one anywhere. Um, but if you follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash sacred ordinary days on Sunday evenings, we always share the quote that Haley has lettered for that week. And then within a few days after that, Haley will mail it. Mm. So, uh, at the very least, we hope that it's an invitation to cease and feast on some beauty Mm. on Sunday evenings. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that you you were just describing the page as open space, but I feel like that's a great metaphor, too, Hmm. for Sabbath, because it's an open space to encounter God in new ways, to encounter yourself in ways that you might not have during the busy week. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, do you and Kyle practice Sabbath on Sundays, or do you do a different day of the week? How do you guys do it? Well, we do now, but that's something, too, that as I've learned more about not just, you know, maybe the particularities about Sabbath in the Bible, but about the uh, the rich meaning held within the Sabbath, uh, I always want to emphasize to people that it doesn't have to be on Sundays, Mm -hmm. that if, you know, if you do have to work on Sundays, and I know many pastors do this as well, they, Monday is their Sabbath or something like that. And so one, that it doesn't have to be a Sunday and two, that it sometimes doesn't have to be a whole day. If what looks possible to you is an hour, then block that time out and make it and devote it. Or maybe, maybe you're morning ritual even could be a Sabbath hour, Sabbath moment. That's certainly how I think day. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so retreats, I think of retreats as yeah. being a pause for the practice of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so 
it it's like that open space, I suppose, on your on your Sunday page, a, a place to get creative, to to color what uh, what sings sings out to your soul, and to trust that that is sacred. But yes, we do. That said, we uh, we do practice Sabbath on Sunday, and it's, it's been especially important for us this past year and a half or so since we bought a home and have been doing a lot of home projects. And so that's been a challenge for us to mm. make our home project days on Saturday, and things creep in, creep into Sunday. And so it's an yeah. ongoing practice for me to to cease to cease and feast. And we, as some people might know, we rent out our basement on Airbnb. And so in, in Seattle, if you ever need a place to stay, but okay, um, you guys, the space is incredible (laughs) and it is booked. I don't know. Since you put the posting up, I think it's been booked like almost every single night. Pretty booked. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are visiting Seattle, you absolutely need to check out. It's called Ravenna. Our neighborhood's called Ravenna, and so we call it Ravenna Hideaway. Aha, so you can just okay. Google Ravenna Hideaway Airbnb, and you'll find it. We would love to come, have you come and host you. But some people leave on Sunday, mm. and so that has been a struggle for us, too, to still, like, declare, like, you know, put our foot in the ground the flag on Sunday and say, no, this day is for ceasing and feasting. And so we've had to, we at first just kind of let that take over these tasks. And finally we had to draw a line and say, no, we need to find someone to clean on Sundays if that happens. And Mm -hmm. so that's something new that just happened. We're recording this on Monday. That happened yesterday. Okay. We had guests coming and going. And so that all of this is an ongoing practice to me. Even the things that I delight in. Uh, some days, like I really love to cook. Other days, it starts to feel like this task, and I go back into the daily routine of checking things off the list and getting things done. And so it's a challenge to return and remember what this time is set aside for. That is so helpful, the reminder that um, rather than making a specific task list, of things that you either will do or will not do Mm. in your family or in your home on whatever day you practice Sabbath, um, or, you know, those, those moments that you infuse Sabbath into Mm -hmm. your days. Um, but rather, yeah, cause I'm the same way. Both Grant and I love to cook most of the time, but occasionally that energy just shifts and gosh, there's just nothing I would rather uh, mm-hmm. n- nothing that would make it fun, <laughs> even even the promise of a really delicious meal at the end. Um, and so rather than saying cooking either is or isn't something that we do on Sabbath, rather saying we do what allows us to rest yeah. and delight. Um, well, and I think that's how that. just as many spiritual practices really find their ways into our everyday lives. I think that's a lesson that we learn through practicing Sabbath, is this life giving to me or is it not? And that would find its way into, you know, our Monday through Friday or Saturday or whenever those times, the ordinary times for you are as well. I think one thing, if I, if I am going to make a declarative statement for what I want to be a part of my Sabbath time, it is to move slowly and savor. I think those are two 
two things that I'm never going to regret. And two things that invite me to be present with whatever, whatever I bring, especially when we talk about ceasing and feasting. And if we were talking about, you know, the meal as a metaphor or something like that, if you cease, that doesn't mean it's ready. If you cease on, you know, for the Sabbath, set all these things aside, that doesn't mean you're going to be feeling like everything's done. You still carry in those feelings, Mm -hmm. maybe some anxiety or something like that, but you choose to be with those places and to and to treat those places with love hmm. when in the in daily life we might not otherwise. Yeah, for those of you who are on our Sacred Ordinary Days newsletter list, um, a couple of weeks ago I shared when we were headed to Mexico on the Great Love Getaway with um, Jesse and Gerard at Marriage is Funny, their podcast. Um, I shared that going on that vacation, that retreat was was an active practice of Sabbath for me, that there were a million and one things that we were Mm. trying to get done before we left and that we had planned the vacation to be at the end of a really heavy work season for us, that we had planned to have everything sent to the printer for the academic year edition, that we had planned to have our website launched and all these things. The reality was that none of that happened, but that we still went. Um, And that was... Mm a really active practice of Sabbath for me because I knew that we were weary to the point of exhaustion. I knew that we, that our tanks were dry and that we absolutely needed that time away for our marriage and for ourselves individually. Mm. Um, but it, I would never have considered myself a workaholic until this last year, but I found that because I love the work that we're doing so much and I'm, I find it so meaningful and so enjoyable that a little bit of workaholism has, has crept in. And I genuinely had, had just make myself go on vacation, which yeah. may sound ridiculous well, to some great of you, thing but about, like you'd paid for it. You had the ticket, right. there were these boundaries that like you, you couldn't, it would take a lot to talk yourself out of it. And I don't know about what your signal was like in Mexico, but you know, traveling internationally, not as easy to stay connected. Yep. All those temptations to, to do the productive thing. I just made... Or just cut off. Uh-huh. I just made it a commitment to completely cut off. So I don't even think I shared maybe one picture while we were there. Didn't have my phone with me at all the entire time. Didn't take my laptop. And um, even told our Facebook group, hey, we're, we're signing off for a couple of days. Because I know our conversation mm. there is so active. And if, if we're not there for a couple of days, uh, you notice. So Mm -hmm. I I was really clear that like, hey, we're not going to be here if you need anything. Ask Haley. And um, people were so affirming, I think, too. Yeah. I remember correctly to that message Mm -hmm. of yours as well. That that is another thing that I have learned for myself that I do need to say no to is not turning my computer on. Mm. And that doesn't mean I don't, you know, I've got my phone, I've got plenty of other resources to check in but there's something about a computer that you know does so much more I can do so much more on my computer than my phone etc right that that has been really life-giving as well and that again that's a practice that came from learning and listening and catching myself time and time again so many times I think the constant refrain on Sabbath for me is 
no, I want to, I want to do this. This is productive. You can't <laughs> see me. I'm doing those, those quotes, air quotes. This is productive, but I want to do this. Like, and, and, and it might even be the garden sometimes. Hmm. And so I find myself moving plants or this or that, but I get worked up. I get frustrated or a little overwhelmed by the task at hand. And that's the test. That's and, and this is something that we've talked about, too, whenever it comes to fasting in Lent or waiting in Advent. Those are the moments. That's where the practice occurs. So it's not necessarily just Sabbath as a cease and feast. You cease at the beginning of the day or the night before whenever you choose to practice Sabbath. But it's, it can be every moment during the day, mm-hmm. always returning. And and it's it's useful, hopefully, for others, maybe some practical guidelines, like the, like a rule of life, mm-hmm. will um, develop. A, you could develop a rule of life for Sabbath that is distinct from your other rule of life. But where th- I think the juice is, the work is, is in those moments of conflict and tension and where you see those things pop up. And the rules are fluid. They come and go, but they are meant to lead you toward life, toward toward delight, toward toward the kingdom. Share with us though about that that moment of tension and resistance that you've been referencing and what to do with that when it doesn't feel restful, which feels like the point. Mhm. Well, I think the first uh, the first action if you can get yourself to do it is to to stop. And because sometimes it's just my it's kind of like the like a hamster on a wheel. I'm just so used to that. I get into that pace that it's hard to even stop. And so the first part is to stop and and to ask yourself the question, which is in some ways the question of Easter. Is this, does this bring me life? Hmm. Do I feel at rest? And a rest might not be, you know, laying down for a nap, but does my spirit, does my soul feel at rest? Do I feel nourished by this task? And if the answer is no, it, it's, that's the practice to set it aside. And, really you know, stiff. part of that might be wrapping things up enough so that at the end of the day, you're not stressed because all the stuff is out or whatever. But and, and that's that reminds me, too, of this, the practice of centering prayer, because whenever your mind comes and you get distracted and stuff, it's so easy to get frustrated. But instead if you're noticing that your mind is distracting you, then that's a moment of faith. You've caught yourself Hmm. and you're remembering your intention. And so it's that invitation to return. It seems like seeing the resistance Mm -hmm. and noticing it is part of the good gift. Yeah. Yeah. That that the spirit leads us to those places. mm -hmm. And that if you're sensing some resistance on a day of Sabbath, um, you know, that, that means that there are opposing forces yeah, <laughs> that that's a, it's kind of like the ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That, you know, on the one hand, there's the call to cease and feast as, um, Lacey has shared that language with us. And on the other hand, there's the call to whatever isn't ceasing and feasting. And one way to resolve mm-hmm. the tension is to simply stop the pull back. Um, what you don't mm-hmm. want to do is quiet or even drown out or ignore the call to Sabbath for so long that it, that that part is ceased, um, mm. you know, that you make yourself numb to it and don't notice anymore. Cause that is also mm-hmm. a way of resolving the tension. Right. Mm-hmm. But instead resolve the tension by 
actively ceasing um, mm-hmm. whatever it is that makes you want to pull back, which, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about the Enneagram some here on the podcast. I'm an eight. So um, pushing back is mm-hmm. sort of a natural posture for me. Mm. Um, and so Sabbath is definitely one of the many practices that that helps me relinquish and release that posture mm-hmm. over and over and over so that even in relationship and in conversation that I'm less likely to, to choose that posture, um, less likely than I would otherwise be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I, as you're talking about identifying that tension too, I think the Sabbath invitation is to, to name it mm-hmm. and maybe you notice it. And so you, get yourself a glass of iced tea and you sit down with the, with the tension mm-hmm. and you rest rest with that and and that can lead you to life too i i would hope and believe that in a kingdom world you know all the underground things come to the surface and they won't be pretty but they are allowed light and light helps them to flourish and to grow in positive ways mm-hmm. yeah I know that at our church, uh, there's a real heavy emphasis and focus um, on worshiping together. That while mm. mission and hospitality, stewardship and formation are all a part of our calling to be church to one another and the world, that worship is really central for, for us mm. and is the foundation on which everything else is built. And because the church does this really well, it has, it has called me to be more intentional about it. I've Mm -hmm. joked several times that I love Jesus more when I don't have church on Sunday night, but, uh, it's true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love other people better as well when I don't have church on Sunday night. And so, um, because we go to a church that, that meets for worship in the mornings and then the rest of the day is open space Mm -hmm. to rest and, um, delight. I'm really protective about my Sunday afternoons and evenings. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the way that our little Mm -hmm. congregation has influenced us so much. It also makes me really notice when our church, for example, does gather on a Sunday evening and I think helps us be more mindful that it doesn't need to be a part of the Sabbath practice that it, even if we do gather for some reason that it needs to be a part of it. And our church gathered last night for a really important and meaningful and hard conversation. And the fact that it was centered in Sabbath and that it had happened Mm. um, after we had taken communion together felt really resoundingly beautiful and helpful. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that for Grant and I, we do take Sabbath on Sundays Although I'm wondering if that might shift some um, as now we're working together because we have found ourselves wanting to get some work done on Sundays. So either we need to really shut it down or mm-hmm. what we've thought about doing is maybe making Mondays our our Sabbath. Um, mm. But whichever day we, <laughs> we move forward with, we really focused on um, not only all of the other things that we've talked about, but really focus on the meaningful relationships in our lives and how we can invest in them. So Mm. for us, that's family. Um, So having lunch with my parents after church 
or spending time with our nephews in the afternoon or um, calling different folks. Um, And then also our close friendships and then guests and folks at church. I know that, especially as an extrovert in a church predominantly of introverts, um, that inviting people out to lunch is surprisingly, or I guess I was surprised when I knew how deeply introverted so many people were, um, it happens pretty often that people invite each other out for lunch Mm. if you don't know each other very well. I feel like as an introvert, there's something about having a table between you, Mm. having that shared experience around a meal that makes getting to know someone else a lot easier, especially because you can, if there's a lot of people, you can just listen as well, too. That's a really good point. So that's my introvert insight. Hey, there you go. Very (laughs) helpful. So yeah, so we we really like having lunch with people that we don't know very well. And it makes Mm. it easy to say yes to those spur of the moment. You know, you meet somebody for the first time or they're visiting for the first time because we know that we have set aside the space for it, right? Kind of similar to our conversation about budgeting and money. Because we set aside money to to be generous with, mm-hmm. it makes it easier to say yes when those opportunities pop up. Um, so yeah. I know that our retreat, we hope, is a call and an invitation to rest for you. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we'll be talking about um, in our invitation to ordinary time, um, are cultivating those foundational spiritual practices. And we hope that coming will allow you to develop some of those further for yourself and envision how you'd like them to be a part of your life. Um, we have a few spots remaining and so you can go to sacredordinarydays.com slash pages slash retreat to get all the information, which we, which we mentioned. And, um, yeah, I hope, I hope that you will join us in that. Mm. Now, my most favorite part of our episode is our benediction. And Lacey has got one for us today that is from a favorite of hers, John O'Donohue's book. Oh, shoot. Now I forgot. What's the name of the book, Lacey? To Bless the Space Between uh-huh. Us, which is a book of amazing blessings. I'm sure I've shared a few here so far. Yes. And this is a perfect one for, for Sabbath. It's a blessing for the one who is exhausted. When the rhythm of the heart becomes hectic, Time takes on the strain until it breaks. Then all the unattended stress falls in on the mind like an endless, increasing weight. The light in the mind becomes dim. Things you could take in your stride before now become events of laborsome will. Weariness invades your spirit. Gravity begins falling inside you, dragging down every bone. The tide you never valued has gone out, and you are marooned on unsure ground. Something within you has closed down, and you cannot push yourself back to life. You have been forced 
to enter empty time. The desire that drove you has relinquished. There is nothing else to do now but rest and patiently learn to receive the self you have forsaken in the race of days. At first your thinking will darken and sadness take over like listless weather. The flow of unwept tears will frighten you. You have traveled too fast over false ground. Now your soul has come to take you back. Take refuge in your senses. Open up to all the small miracles you rushed through. Become inclined to watch the way of rain when it falls slow and free. Imitate the habit of twilight, taking time to open the well of color that fostered the brightness of day. Draw alongside the silence of stone until its calmness can claim you. Be excessively gentle with yourself. Stay clear of those vexed in spirit. Learn to linger around someone of ease who feels they have all the time in the world. Gradually, you will return to yourself, having learned a new respect for your heart and the joy that dwells far within slow time. Do you have a Sabbath practice? How do you cease and feast? Let us know in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash sacred ordinary days tribe or on social media using the hashtag sacred ordinary days. You'll hear from us again on Wednesday, May 11th, as we prepare for the feast of Pentecost. To follow along, subscribe to the sacred ordinary days podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're enjoying the show so far and finding it a meaningful part of your weeks, we'd ask you to leave us an iTunes review. For more resources on the liturgical calendar and Christian spiritual formation, join me at sacredordinarydays.com and lacey at asacredjourney.net.